Now, family, that's great that you're clapping for me, but why don't we go ahead and give Jesus praise? Come on, at the worship conference, I wonder if we still have a little bit of worship left in us. Come on and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, come on, family, don't you dare golf clap my God. I said magnify him on this Good Friday night. Come on, are you still expecting God to do something in this place? Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for your presence already made known in this place. God, we declare to you tonight that we're not tired. Father, we're ready. We're settled into your presence. We're settled into your power. And we say, Jesus, do what only you can do in this place, Father. God, I pray, Lord, that this wouldn't just be a moment where we're listening. This is a moment in which we are experiencing your power and your presence. Jesus, show up and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on and celebrate them one more time as you take your seats. So honored to be uh, here tonight. Can we just honor the apostle of this house, Pastor Brett Fuller? Come on and let's praise God for that message. So grateful for the mantle of leadership that he carries. Well, family, I know that, the, uh, that as they would have said in the church I grew up, the hour is long spent. So I'm going to talk, and I'm going to talk fast. Let's go to Luke chapter 4, 16 through 20, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. I honor my wife who's in the building. She was that fine thing up here singing in the all black. So that thing, you got a wine on him, God. I'm here singing so well, man, I have a situation. Anyway, Luke 4. 16 through 21, we got four kids and it ain't been no mistake. Somebody touch your neighbor. Hey, glory. Luke 4, 16 through 21. She ready for me to sit down right now. Okay. <laughs> Luke 4, 16 through 20. Here we go. Let's get it. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, the swagged out Jesus. And he began his sermon by saying, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Family, I've been charged uh, tonight to talk about uh, when heaven meets earth. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this is actually a rather dangerous and disruptive, uh, disruptive type of topic. Because when I look throughout scripture, when heaven comes down, it is less like a meeting and more like a, a collision. A collision is an event when one moving object against another by exerting force. 
Now, unfortunately, family, uh, I don't know this just by reading. I know this by experience. I've been in a collision before. I was, I was in the passenger car, as passenger seat in the car, and the driver was, was, was waiting to make a left turn across traffic. And when all of a sudden, this, this vehicle approaching from behind made a, made a collision. This moving object exerted force on our stopped vehicle. Now, while I'm thankful to say that no one was hurt, the car, however, was never the same. The impact left an impression that forever marked the vehicle, all because there had been a collision. As people drove by the scene, they could visibly see the difference. They, they knew that something had happened. There, there was some sort of energy transfer that, that changed the way that the vehicles looked, all because there had been a, a collision. And, and as the passenger, I, I was not the same either. After the collision, I, I was more concerned about who was driving a car. I was more aware of my surroundings. I was more aware of the safety features that were in a vehicle. Why? because there had been a collision. My family, after the, the, the car crash had happened, after that, they, they, they got over fences a little bit faster and we realized that, that, that life was a little bit more fragile all because there had been a collision. In other words, the way that life was before a moment was completely and totally changed after a collision had happened. I think you understand where we're going tonight, family. I believe that when heaven meets earth, we stand ready for a, a collision. I believe that what happens over this conference weekend, we're never going to be the same ever again. There's a, there's a collision. When the officers uh, showed up, they, they, they said that the way that the car was, that, 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 that how we were positioned, that, that, that we were actually on this thing called a collision course. In other words, the way that our car was, we were more likely to collide with the vehicle because of our position. We, we were positioned in the flow of traffic that where we were stopped, it was stopped in such a manner where impact was inevitable. So family, it is in that, that, that concept that I want to announce to you my title tonight, Collision Course. I believe that you all are positioned over this conference weekend, that you are stopped in the middle of a moment, and there is a force that is coming. There is a God that is showing up. There's an atmosphere in this building that will mark you, that will change you. You're on a collision course, collision course, collision course, collisions, collisions, collisions. I, I'm reminded of, of, of one of the first collisions that happened in, in creation. Uh, it, it's found in Genesis uh, 1, 2 through 3. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. So Genesis starts with this, uh, this serene picture, this scene of absolutely nothingness until God speaks. Genesis, uh, Genesis paints this picture that when the word of God collided with the earth, creation happened. It was disruptive. It, it was when he said, let there be light, there, 
If he said, let there be light, and nothing was there beforehand, who was he talking to? When he said, let there be light, nothing else existed. So when he said, let there be life, he was speaking to nothing. And the ears of nothing heard him. And nothing had to become something when we had a collision with the word of God. Oh, family, you might feel like nothing in this room, but I believe that when we have an experience and encounter with God, nothing has to become something. We see this, this, this nothing uh, becomes something, this, 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 this word of God, and he speaks it forth. And, and the earth goes from formless and dark and peaceful, and activity starts to happen. And what I love about when God speaks is that as he speaks, what he speaks can't be undone. The earth can never go back to darkness and void because the word that God spoke at creation is the word that's still good today. We see collisions, collisions, collisions. Some of us would prefer that God wouldn't speak into our darkness. We've gotten comfortable with our life without form or without void. But I believe that there's a disruptive collision coming your way tonight. The second collision that I, that I found extracted through Scripture was the, was the greatest collision I think we've ever had, the incarnation. It's when heaven collided with earth by, by sending us a Savior named Jesus Christ. An angel was sent to announce his arrival to a virgin named Mary. She was told that she would bear a son. She was confused about the possibility of this collision because she had never been with a man before. But the angel Gabriel explains it to her in Luke 1.35. He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So here is Mary living her life as a normal person, living her good life as a young woman. She's living a life that is fine without a collision. And here comes Jesus announcing himself to a woman who wasn't expecting it. Now, we get excited about the moments in which God speaks, but sometimes God speaks to impregnate you with something, and you might have to deal with the uncomfortableness. Mary afterwards had to deal with morning sickness. She had to deal with a body that was bloating. She had to deal with unbalances in hormonal moments because she had been collided with something that was more powerful than her. Family, I believe that as a result of this conference, God has come to collide with you. God has come to impregnate you with vision. He's come to impregnate you with power. He's come to impregnate you with destiny, all because you've had a collision, a collision, a collision. Now, this leads me then to our third collision, and it's our focal point, our focal text for the night. It's found in Luke 4, 16 through 21. It says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free, 
To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. Our text tonight finds Jesus after he had been tempted in the wilderness for some time. He, the scripture then teaches us that he then comes back full, empowered by the Spirit. And he walks into the synagogue on that day. And as he does, he stands up and, and an attendant hands him the scroll. And he begins to declare some things out of Isaiah. And I want to, I want to dive into some of the things he, in which he said so that way we understand and we know what we're asking for when we ask for a collision. He says, first and foremost, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. I don't know if you've recognized the theme, but the Spirit hovered in creation. He overshadowed an incarnation, and he anoints in this declaration. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. In other words, he stands and he says that this isn't just me talking. I've been empowered with something else. Yes, it is God who sent me, but it's the Holy Ghost who's empowering me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And here's what the Spirit of the Lord does. It says, because he has anointed me. Now, he, he, has, he has anointed me. Now, this act of anointing is found throughout the Old Testament scriptures multiple times. The act of anointing was literally a smearing of oil with someone or over someone to appoint them to a specific office, a specific role in which they were supposed to function. Normally, this, this anointing would happen uh, from another prophet. A prophet would, would, would anoint someone for a specific duty, a specific function. We see these functions, the first being that of a prophet. We know that uh, Elijah anointed Elisha a prophet that would follow him. We see that they use it in prophets, but they also use it in priests. That when it got time for the priesthood to be established, Moses anointed Aaron. We see it with, with prophets, we see it with priests, but then we also see it with kings. That, that, that when it was time for, 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 for David and for, for Saul first and then later David, we see that Samuel came and he anointed them as kings. So when, when, when he says that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, he's saying that I have been smeared with authority. And he's saying, and it's not from a mediator, it's not from a, from a prophet, it's not from a mediator of God's authority, it's from the Holy Ghost himself. I've been smeared with authority as a prophet, I've been smeared with authority as a priest, I've been smeared with authority as a king, I'm in my rightful place of authority. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and then he says, what has he been anointed to do? To preach. He's been anointed to preach the good news to the poor. Now, what is he telling us here? That he has authority to reach the marginalized. Those who have been socially excluded, financially excluded, even religiously excluded from the gospel. I've got authority and power to receive who you rejected. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to then preach to the poor. 
Now, family, I don't know about where you are as you come into this room tonight, but some of us might feel a little left behind, might feel a little downtrodden, might feel as though we're excluded as we're on the marginalized of, of society. But I'm here to tell you, when you have a collision with God, it reaches you too. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And then it says that he's anointed to proclaim release to the captives. Now, here in the original text, the language implies forgiveness of sins. So when he says proclaim release to the captives, he's saying he's been given authority to break the power of sin over your life. I have been given authority to forgive sin. I have been given authority to forgive the penalty of sin over your life. So family, once again, once you have a collision with God, you are colliding with the authority to break that sin struggle, to break that issue, to break that problem, that you can be healed, you can be whole, and you can be free. He's been given authority to forgive sins, to break the power of sin, And then he goes on to say that he also has been given authority to see recovery of sight to the blind. That a collision with God changes every, everything that you, or every way in which you look. It changes the way in which you see others and it changes the way in which you see yourself. After we have an experience and encounter a collision with God, nothing looks the same. Everything is different. Everything has changed. How did, you know, one of the things they, they told me when I finally gave it over to him, John, they said, they said, AJ, you've changed. Ain't that the point? <laughs> what you mean I done changed? I ain't giving all this up to stay the same. <laughs> what you, yeah, yes, I have changed. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I came to him for. What you mean? It changes everything about you. I'm reminded of the woman who met him at the well, who was walking one way and had a, had a collision. And she dropped that water pot. She dropped that thing in which she thought she needed because what she drank that day, she'd never thirst again. And she left that place and said, come meet a man that told me everything I've ever done. Come meet a man. Oh, a collision in, in this, a collision with God stirs you up to say, come meet a man that told me everything I've ever done. She had a collision, we, we see recovery of sight to the blind, and then it says, to set the oppressed free. Now, the language here in the original text refers or implies into a debt that you could not pay. In other words, Jesus paid it all. What is the scripture teaching us about this debt? I believe it's echoing Romans 6.23 that says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So when, we, when Jesus came and had an impact with us, when he came and showed up on the scene, we were already in a debt that demanded our life. So when Jesus showed up, the, he said, I've been smeared with the Holy Ghost to handle that debt. I can pay it. Put it on me. He comes and, and he pays the debt. And then finally, he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Now, this is reminiscent of the Jubilee year that's talked about in Leviticus 25. It talks about these moments. We've heard of the, of the Jubilee year. It's talked about in moments where we recognize that, at, that at the, on the seventh Sabbath year, they were, to, they, were to, they were to rest the land as they did every Sabbath year, but then also that there would be a restoration of property, that there would be an ownership transfer when they hit this time of rest. So when you have an encounter with God, the result is rest and restoration, that you get a chance to pause and watch how God can provide for you when and you can't provide your, for yourself and you can also recognize that there's some things that the enemy had locked up that we've now had a collision and what he thought he hold, held what he thought he held there's an ownership transfer that's happening in the spirit realm we see this 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 declaring the the year of of, of the lord's favor and then he did something interesting family he rolled up the scroll and sat his tail down. That's how you close a sermon, Pastor Brett, okay? He read it and said, and. <laughs> he rolled it up, closed it, and sat down. And then he said, today, in your hearing, the scripture has now been fulfilled. In other words, you just had a collision with your theology because you're waiting for something that just showed up. See, some of you all in this room are waiting for power that's already here. Some of you in this room are waiting for forgiveness that's already here. Some of you are waiting for healing that's already here. And the Lord is saying, as you are worshiping, I was releasing. The reason why they didn't recognize it, Pastor Tiffany, was because it didn't show up in the timing or the package they expected. What happens if the Lord wants to show up in your worship set in the song you didn't rehearse? What happens if God wants to show up to a Friday night prayer and doesn't want to do your little 10 minutes of worship on a What are you going to... What are you going to do? Are you going to miss God? Or are you going to step into another collision from heaven? Stop dictating to God when he has to show up and you just say, Lord, whenever you get here, I'm ready for you. A collision, a collision, a collision. He shows up in power and didn't show up in their planning. Now be careful in this place. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna fix it. Just one second. I just said, y'all stay with me. I got the daddy right there looking at me. He said, okay. But he said, boy. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he? There was an impartation. You got that same thing from your daddy. Okay, so. Okay, we finna ride a grasshopper tonight, okay? Ha, 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 what? Ha, come on, baby. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's my pastor. What? What you say? Huh? Don't y'all mess with the apostles' message now, okay? You out here speaking, Justin. You got to be careful. Okay. He know, he know my boss. I got to watch myself. 
I'm not saying that the spirit can't move in your structure. In fact, every time in which you see the spirit moved, it was always because structure happened first. Ezekiel, when he got time to prophesy to the dead bones, he said, no, no, no. He, they, they, they had to come together first, and then he said the wind. He created the structure to hold the power. He created the structure to hold the spirit. And so sometimes our songs are simply the structure. It's simply the container. But we can't forget to ask God, now I've got the song. I've got the notes. I've got the lyrics. I've got the structure. But you got to blow in this place for something to happen. Blow wind of God. Meet us wind of God. We see our God is smeared with the Holy Ghost. He is smeared with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power comes when they weren't planning for it to show up. I've got to move quickly. It goes on to the next collision. That wasn't the last time, Andre, that he showed up in power when, when they weren't sure he was going to show up. That wasn't the last time that they showed up, that God showed up like that. I'm, remi- what's the- I'm reminded of a, of a time that, what happened, Jermaine? I believe there was, it was in the upper room, wasn't it? That's what the scripture said. It says it. The way that my Bible reader, just, what happened? They was all in one room. We're in a room, okay. And they was all on one accord. Okay, we're on one accord. And they began to pray. (laughs) I believe the bishop just talked to us about how to pray, did he not? So they were in one room, in one accord, and here comes this power. The scripture says that all of a sudden a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Hey! began to fill the room. (laughs) Scripture said it was like tongues of fire sat on them. And they began to speak in tongues. So orderly was the moment that they spilled outside onto the streets and they thought they was drunk. Oh, y'all about to mess up in here. Did they give me some help? Did they give me, did they give me some help? Reggie? but I didn't know you had one of them in here. What? But I'm sensing some power in this message outside of my planning. I'm sensing some power that's happening in this room. Y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. We just talking. We just talking. Just talking for a second. They were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended and tongues of fire sat on all of them. <laughs> and Peter, Peter has to come and add some order to the city. Peter is Pastor Brent. He has to come. And he, no, that's, no. if y'all ever seen him, that's what he do. Okay. Peter is Pastor Brett. So Pastor Brett has to come up. And he said, 
Fellow, <laughs> these men are not drunk as you suppose because of the third hour. Obviously, he ain't never been to campus. Okay, but anyway. JMU. Okay, I said, oh, when I saw that, I said, okay, so Peter went in no campus ministry. But anyway, so he said, huh, this is not, these people are not drunk as you suppose, right? Because it's only this certain time of the day. Huh. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. That in the final days, I would pour out my spirit on sons and daughters. And they would prophesy. A promise from the Father was the pouring of the spirit without measure. And what was most powerful about Pentecost is because the same Holy Ghost that smeared Jesus when he came up there to stand is the same Holy Ghost that has smeared all of you all as well. So when Pentecost happened, it wasn't just Holy Spirit empowerment. They stepped into another realm of Christ-likeness. They said, what smeared him has now smeared me. And some of us have gotten it confused in worship because we have forgotten what our smearing was about. I'm walking around celebrating my anointing, but you forgot what it was for. And so all you're up there doing is splashing around in the oil and you ain't spread it nowhere. The scripture says, that the smearing was for a purpose, that the anointing of God was for a purpose, and it wasn't for your pocket. The, the anointing of God, the anointing of God was meant to bring people in. The scripture says that we were there then and or that we could now preach the gospel. The anointing comes in worship because there's a gospel to be declared. And as Pastor Brett just said, it changes the atmosphere. And those who were once hardened to the gospel, when they begin to hear the worship of God, there's an expansion that happens. There's a pliability that happens. And now the word of God can make an impact. We have this, 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 this response that we have to make sure we're in when we understand the anointing of God. Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He said, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit, wait a minute, right there, that's that Holy Ghost again. Why are we afraid of the Holy Ghost in our services? Why are we afraid of allowing him to come in in power? Why are we afraid that once he happens, when it's, once it happens, once the Holy Ghost hits us, that God won't give us the words to explain what happened? Family, I'm telling you right now, if you want to have a heaven and earth collision, you've got to stop quenching the Holy Ghost, and you've got to let him breathe, let him move, let him come in power. So he, so he says that we all with unveiled faces are being transformed. The power of Pentecost was the ability to be transformed. It was the ability to now look like Jesus. The power of Pentecost isn't your goosebumps. The power of Pentecost was your life being completely flipped upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It says that we are now with unveiled faces being transformed into glory to glory. And then he gives us a charge then in Romans 12. He says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. Let's pause right there. You certainly know you didn't deserve to receive the Holy Ghost. You certainly know that you didn't deserve for God to anoint your little measly notes. You believe that God had to do something extraordinary. He doesn't, listen, you can't make him show up. You, just, you should be excited every time he decides to anoint you again. He says then, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. If the Holy Ghost has smeared you, start acting like it. Some of our devotion doesn't go beyond the three hours in which we have to worship him corporately. If the Holy Ghost has smeared you, part of your act of worship is to present everything to him. There's an ownership transfer that happens after the smearing. The thing that we then see in 2 Corinthians 5.20, again, Pastor Brett referenced this. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen to me, family. There is no worship without the mission in view. God and God and our worship of him corporately always has, an, has a view of the next person who doesn't know him. Sometimes our own selfishness has blinded us to the moments of worship because it feels good to us. We continue. And we don't even realize the Holy Spirit lifted. True worship has others in mind. Because let me tell you something, family. When Jesus came and died on that cross, when he offered up his true worship, it was with you in mind. The final collision that I want to talk about tonight is the collision of revelation. We are transformed by the smearing of the Holy Ghost so that we can then be missional. And the more transformational we are, the more we allow the Holy Spirit to transform who we are, the more we can expedite the final revealing. The final collision, the eschatological end, when heaven truly will meet earth. Oh, family, let me read it to you because I get a little happy about it. It says in Revelation 19, it says, Then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes are like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head, and he had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, wearing pure white linen, and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
family, as we live a transformed life, we bring about the final collision when our God looks from heaven and he steps and mounts that horse and he starts riding back in to come get us. And as he does, he defeats the power of evil once and for all. Family, I believe that you are in an atmosphere this weekend of collision that heaven is coming to meet earth. And as it does, what is said finally in declaration and revelation, that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Come on and stand on your feet and praise God in this place. Come on, praise them like you expect a collision. Praise them like you're going to participate in what he's going to do. Praise them as though you've been smeared. Praise them as though, oh family, I sense the atmosphere is changing now. I believe that the atmosphere is changing. Come on and worship him. Come on and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Family, there's a smearing happening. There's an anointing being released. Oh, I feel the power of God in this place. Father, I pray that over this weekend, God, we wouldn't just talk about heaven meeting earth, but we would be experiencers of heaven meeting earth. God, I pray, Lord, that as we go throughout this conference, Lord, that we would be conduits that touch heaven and touch earth, God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't waste our smearing. God, that we would allow transformation to happen. Lord, I pray, God, that as a result of us being here, as a result of this collision, Father, we would never be the same again. In Jesus' name.